0: This episode is brought to you by my free webinar, Jump and Scale Your Business. It's my three-part training series, all dedicated to finding and attracting the right kind of people that will scale your business. Did I mention it's free? Listen, you have to attend this if you want to grow your staff, you feel like you're being held hostage, you have high turnover, you feel burnt out, or you're just not seeing the results you want. Join me for this three-part free webinar series. Register now at jumpconsulting.net forward slash scale. That's jumpconsulting.net forward slash scale. I'll see you there. Welcome to Bella
1: in Your Business, where Bella will discuss anything and everything about your pet sitting business to help you land on target. So get ready. Bella's got your shoot. Let's jump.
0: Hello, this is Bella from Jump Consulting, and I welcome everyone who's listening or watching. I have the honor and pleasure of doing the first of many series to come with the one and only David Pearsall from Business Insurers of the Carolinas. If you're a pet sitter in the industry, I am sure you've heard of Business Insurers of the Carolinas. And we have David here today to talk about the 15 most common pet sitting claims This is something that he deals with day in and day out. I've had personal dealings with him. And I'm so pleased and excited, David, to see you face-to-face and actually be talking to you today. So welcome and thank you.
1: Thanks, Bella. I appreciate you having me on today. I'm excited. It's the first time I've ever done a Blab and I'm looking forward to uh, doing many more. And hopefully this one will be successful and people will learn something and get something out of it. As you mentioned, the top 15 claims, when I look at the claims, we have so many and so many to choose from. Mm -hmm. So I opted to break it out into different categories. So hopefully, everyone in the pet sitting industry, I'm certain, will understand when I start going into them.
0: I love the three topics that we have. It's liability, pet claims, and workman's compensation. I think before we jump into them, I would speculate, because I've had the same kind of questions before, David. And your illustrations will probably give the answer. But, you know, something happens in business and we say, oh, will insurance cover it? Should I put in a claim? should I pay it out of pocket? What do I do? (laughs) You know, am I going to get penalized for putting in a claim? Is it worth it? Or am I going to get in trouble? Or there's so many things. So like we have this insurance, but we're not quite sure what or when or how to use it. So I think these illustrations you're about to give are really going to help jog people's memories. The second part of this, I hope it does, is exposes people to this could happen and perhaps make them think about their policies or procedures in their company to better protect themselves from contracts to just the way we do business to the way we maybe fill out an incident report and document things, right? Yeah. Without further ado, I'm just going to let you have the floor and go for it.
1: Okay. Well, thank you. And to start, let's answer the question that you came up with, you know, is whether you turn in a claim or not. Ideally, that's what insurance is for. You have an accident. You need to look and certainly you want to check with your insurer and see if it's covered. One thing I'll let you know, because we work with many, many different insurance companies in our office and have throughout my career, certainly everybody knows we work with the associations, so we have the association liability policies. But we also work with all the national carriers from Travelers to CNA to Hartford and so forth and so on. What most insurance companies will look at is two things. They'll look at your frequency, meaning how many claims that you have. Then they'll also look at your loss ratio, usually the amount of premium you pay in each year. If you take that and you take the claims that you have paid out on your behalf, most insurance companies want to run a profitable business, just like most pet sitters want to run a profitable business. So that's what they look at. They're looking at dollars and cents and the larger insurance companies are quicker to non-renew or cancel when they see claims because they're the ones that are typically the most profitable. So when you think of the big, big names out there and I won't mention names, but you have to be real careful. So, you know, the best thing to do and the best advice I give is to contact your agent. If you're with us, contact our office and we'll help you navigate through the claims process. And if you're having the frequency issue, you certainly want to look at what you're doing inside your business and how you can improve risk and loss control. And that's the idea behind this webinar today is to get the message out so that people learn from other people's mistakes. I write a lot of articles for the associations and occasionally speak at conferences. And when I do, that's my primary intent is to have everybody learn from other people's mistakes so it doesn't happen to you and in your business. And the one key there is that a lot of us or a lot of people probably listening in today will be pets that are owners or dog walking company owners. The key is you've got to share this with your employees or if you're using independent contractors, share it with your independent contractors so that they understand what things can happen and what to do when things do happen. Because a lot of times with claims, you know, the key is to get on them early. And right. you know, if you don't know what to do, doing nothing is usually not the best thing. So
0: A good example of that, David, is something that you had brought up earlier. A couple of sessions ago, I did a blab with Jenna at Muddy Paws. And, you know, it was the very first time and, and she kind of came on to our Facebook group and she was like, oh my gosh, this happened. I don't know what to do. It's after hours. We're like, call you put in workman's comp claim. She's like, well, it's late. I don't know if they're going to answer or like call your workman's comp claim, you know? So that right there is a really great point because when accidents happen, because they're going to happen, it's not if it's when to know to call and do some and start taking action, get it documented. I think that's a really valid point. So thank you for driving that home.
1: Sure. And, you know, the facts show, the history shows that the sooner you do turn the claim in, the sooner that the work comp company can help and get involved and you're going to get people back to work sooner and have a better outcome. So yeah. always recommend. And again, even if you're not certain, it's better to call, you know, find out and then you know where you're at as opposed to just waiting and doing nothing. So, right, right. but without further ado, I'd like to go into, The first list of claims, the first is going to be on our pet claims. I thought we would start with our most frequent claims that we see in our office. Okay. And these are claims that occur to pet sitters and dog walkers every day. You know, I see about 10 to 15 claims a week. They're called in. And the number one claim that we've seen over the last couple of years in terms of frequency is basically dogs or pets ingesting anything foreign. It could be a medication. It could be balls. It could be toys, collars. You know, the dog chews something up, swallows it, ingests it, and they get sick. Uh-huh. And I know that everyone probably that has a pet, you know, that comes into play. I mean, especially with puppies, they, they get into things. And so, you know, one important point I want to make is that we work at the associations and we offer a policy that is a little bit different from some of the national carriers the way they cover it. And I want to be open to everybody out there in the internet land to let them know that With a national carrier, you have Animal Bailey, which that's what typically would cover this type of claim. Under the liability association policies we offer, and there's another provider out there that does the same, it's more care, custody, and control. And this is what I think of as a care, custody, and control claim. The pet's in your care, and for whatever reason, you you may have been playing with the dog outside, and you may have had a toy, or you may have been on a walk, and the dog just happened to ingest something, or they could have been in a play group, you know, at a dog park, any of those things, but you name it. It's amazing what you will see the pets get into.
0: Right.
1: So that's the number one. And to give you examples of paid range, we typically see those range from anywhere from a hundred dollars all the way up to about 14,000. As everyone knows vet medical expenses are getting higher and higher. Yeah. Think about emergency vets, emergency vet care, surgeries involved, physical therapy afterwards that's where you get the higher payouts on the vet medical claims. Wow. The number two most frequent claim would be dog bitten by another dog owned by a third party. So you're out on a walk, you're at a dog park, you could be on a pack walk or a hike and another dog comes out of nowhere and attacks the dog that's in your care. Mm
0: -hmm. And this
1: happens quite often. You know, one of my recommendations to folks is to always try to get information from that person. If there's another person to be found with that dog, because technically they're liable for those injuries, but you never know whether they're going to have any coverage or they're going to actually turn the other way and go away and never see them again. But ideally, you want to get that information because they're liable, but your policy, the pets in your care typically will pay if there's negligence on your part, if you were there to take care of the pet.
0: Uh-huh. You just said negligence, so you have to prove that you had some sort of negligent behavior in order for it to pay out. I mean, if you were just walking a dog, it was a great sunny day and a dog comes up out of nowhere and bites the dog you're walking and you weren't negligent. Does that change it?
1: That's a great question. And under the association policy we offer, we offer vet medical regardless of fault. So with medical payments where there's no negligence required, they're going to pay that up to the care custody and control limit you choose under the national policies Typically, with some of the bigger companies, they're going to limit you to either, say, 2500 or $5,000 limit for vet medical, mm-hmm. but they will cover regardless of fault claims. And that's just a uh, line on the form, on the policy form. It's kind of like a gratis or free payment they're going to give for vet medical because they know these things are going to happen. You're going to have some claims. It's just like under any general liability policy, you'll see MedPay. And MedPay is there to cover, you'll see a smaller limit, typically on, say you were a Plumbing contractor or a HVAC contractor. Every general liability policy, regardless of who you write it for, is going to have a per occurrence liability limit, and which could be, you know, the standard is about a million dollars per occurrence. Uh-huh. And then you're going to have a med pay limit. Usually, that's going to be either five thousand or ten thousand dollars. That limit is going to cover you for anything like slip and falls things that happen on your premises that where you're not negligent, most insurance companies use that to pay those small med pay claims so that they don't develop into lawsuits and they don't get to be bigger. They do make up part of that occurrence limit. So if you were to use up the $5,000 med pay limit and then someone were to sue you, you would have $995,000 remaining on your policy. Uh But it's the same light, we do that with the vet medical under the care custody control limit and the bigger companies, say the Harpers, the Travelers, CNAs of the world, they all will have the Animal Bailey form. And under their Animal Bailey form, if you read the form closely, you'll see that there's coverage for vet medical regardless of fault. And usually, again, they'll have a sublimit of, say, $2,500 or 5000 So I know a lot of people are looking for negligence, but sometimes you may not be negligent, but you still have clients that are, you know, you treat their pets as you would your own children. Right. And so you want that, that pet to be brought back in the same care. And again, that's why ideally, you, if you have a third party involved, you want to get information from that person so that, you know, if they're liable, their insurance should pay, whether it's their homeowner's insurance. You know, if you're walking down the street and someone else is walking their dog and their dog attacks, gets mm-hmm. away from them. their dog's at fault, not yours.
0: Mm-hmm. So what I'm actually hearing you say is that there is an advantage other than that discount to having like an association policy because there is no limit on the custody care and control. Is that right?
1: That is correct. And then we do tout that with the association policies in that we offer limits from 10,000 up to 200,000. Under the association policies, we also cover the contents of the homes because most pet pet sitters are going into clients' homes. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you read a general liability policy form, real property is considered the structure, the house itself. So Mm -hmm. you have a million dollars for the real property, but there's a little hidden exclusion in there that says personal property in your care custody and control is excluded. And under that form, basically if you were given the keys to someone's house and they go out of town for a week, you now have all of their personal property in your care custody and control. Any damage to that would not be covered under a standard general liability policy that's unendorsed or does not have an endorsement that gives back coverage. Under our association policy, we give back coverage through an endorsement and it actually spells out the vet medical regardless of fault claims, but it also covers the contents up to the limit you choose for your policy. And so this could be very important if you're going into million dollar home and we'll get to some of the property damage claims here shortly, but if you go into million dollar homes that have really nice contents and they have a puppy that's crated and you are negligent when you fail to latch the crate the dog gets out and chews up those furnishings, you want to pay attention to that limit because those claims can get pretty hefty as well.
0: That's fascinating. That's a really great point. I'm so glad we're doing this.
1: The number three claim that listed for frequency is a dog bitten by another dog in the insured's care. What we see a lot of this is on dog walkers or dogs put into play groups. And a lot of pet sitters are doing in-your-home care bringing dogs back to their home and they may have multiple pets from different families. Uh-huh. So let's say that two of them got in a fight over a food bowl, two of them get a fight over a toy or uh-huh. anything that you're playing with. Yeah. The numbers of those, you know, those range anywhere from about $200 to about 10,000. So, you know, in most cases, the vet medical typically are going to be anywhere from a couple hundred dollars up to 12 or 13,000. I've seen some that are, have been higher than that never seen one over 25,000 but 25 was the highest we've ever seen as far as a vet medical loss and it was new
0: insurance because i don't know anyone that has like 25 or even 10k just laying around for a dog bite yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. and those are things you don't want to have to come out of pocket on sure you, know, you asked earlier about well some of these things should i take it can i should i absorb myself and pay myself and absolutely if you have a 200 hundred dollar claim some insurance companies put on a, a deductible. They might put it on the $250, $500 deductible. Through our association policy, we offer a $100 deductible. But, you know, if you can absorb a small claim, it's always best to probably do so on the $500 because you don't want to have a frequency issue. And I would rather save that claim for one that's $2,500 or $15,000. Right, so you, can, right. you can turn in claim after claim. The insurance company is going to look at that And that's going to hurt your experience, and it could also lead to non-renewal or cancellation. That makes sense. The number four most frequent claim we have for pets is cuts, scratches, such as a dog is running, gets hit on the side of a post or a fence, or more common is stepping on things. So, in examples I have, a dog steps on glass, a dog steps on rocks, ice, out in the West, foxtails, rattlesnakes,
0: Cactus. You know, <laughs> but,
1: you know like most pet sitters are doing walking and there's so many dog walkers out there today that, you know, that's going to happen. And especially if you go on hikes in the wooded areas, you're going to have claims where dogs get injured. And yeah. so we do see a lot of those. And, you know, most of these are, are smaller claims. I, I have down here $275 to about 7500 because most of them are going to be just injuries or cuts to their falls, that sort of thing.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And the fifth and final pet claims would be pet damages to the contents of homes. Under the care custody control, as we spoke about earlier, it covers both the pets and it covers the personal property. So, for example, a cat urinates on a mattress or a rug. Or a rug. That's contents of the client's home. A dog chews up the furnishings. You know, we've had dogs chew up mattresses, couches, oh, yeah. tables. I have a Chesapeake Bay retriever that's a year old. She's chewed up everything wood in my house. So so those are the top five as far as the care custody control claims. And um, now we'll get into some of the bigger claims. Okay. And probably what everybody wants to know is like, where are the largest payouts? What do we see the most expensive claims being? And the first one is can probably guess is the dog bites. The dog in a sitter's care attacks or bites another dog. Is number one, because just as a third-party dog bit the dog in your care, the dog in your care can get away and bite another dog, and that's considered property damage, but still, it's one of the larger payouts. It's while If your dog in your care attacks, gets away from you, we see that more frequently. The paid range is about $200 to 13000 Again, about the same as the vet medical was for your care, coasting, control claims. Dogs get in a fight at a dog park or... Dog gets in a fight over a toy. It's the same thing as you saw in the other pet claims. The number two is the dog bites to people. Dog in a sitter care bites a jogger or a biker passing by. We've actually had dogs that have, they get spooked. You're walking the dog. Someone comes up behind with a bike or if they're running and they run past you and the dog just, you know, lashes out. Other examples are, which is one of the biggest claims we've ever had, was where the dog gets away from the sitter goes after a dog that they see, and now that person jumps in the middle and tries to break up the fight, and they get bitten. And we've had some really bad claims this year. One of the highest ones was about $230,000, but where the person got in between the two dogs, got pulled down, tore her rotator cuff, and had extensive surgery, and obviously sued our pet sitter. So, Those are, you know, one thing to get out there and get the message, you know, is you don't want to get between two dogs right when they're fighting and you don't want the other person to do that either. I mean, it's just not a good idea. I've heard plenty of examples given over the years, whether you can make a noise, if you've got a hose nearby, spray the dogs, but don't get in between them. It's not their
0: back legs.
1: Yeah, because it's a general liability claim. If someone else gets in there, if you get in there, it's a worker's comp claim. Right. Either way, you're looking for a bad outcome. So really not a good idea to get between the dogs. Another common dog bite we see is when a child comes up and tries to pet the dog. And it's your job as a pet sitter to keep people away. Right. Don't let them pet that dog. You know, all dogs can bite. Yeah. And I've seen it. Um, yeah. Some of our worst claims are not by these breeds that everybody wants to outlaw. I love all dogs, don't get yeah. me wrong, but you know there are insurance companies in our industry that will say we don't want certain breeds. Right. We don't have that problem. We All of my companies will cover all breeds. However, some of the worst dog bites we see are from labs and oh. different rescue dogs. I mean, yeah. just run-of-the-mill mutts. So they've been adopted. I mean, it doesn't matter what breed it is. They can still yeah. bite. They can still cause yeah. a lot
0: of damage. And I, I kind of think that people, because it's not that breed, they discredit it and they think that it'll never happen. So they kind of push those limits or boundaries even more. I was just at an event this past weekend at a booth and a lady had her rescue dog. It was a mutt. It was like maybe 20 pounds or so. And she was carrying it because the dog was like scared and shaking. And these kids came up because it was a Halloween event. They're like, I want to pet your dog. Oh, it's a, and the dog's like, she allowed these kids to do it. And I'm just looking at her like, this dog doesn't want to be pet lady. Like She's going to bite. Oh, my dog's not going to bite. It just, you're talking about this and I see this example in my head and it, it comes down to education. So I'm glad we're talking about this. Go on.
1: <laughs> and that's the key is that all dogs, they can act out of fear and they yeah. get scared. It's just like when the biker rides by, it spooks them and yeah. they, their natural tendency is to turn it and to snap. Right. And, and I redirect. Thing, you know, okay. The dog you're talking about, it was probably fearful and, and you know, you, you stick your hand out there, you're asking for it.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: You want to try to do the best you can. And if you're an owner, tell all your employees, all your ICs, it's your job to keep people away. So the average range on dog bites, the average in North America, and this was done by state farm insurance company, put this out. And I think the average is about 32,000. We see that average is about the same in, in our business. And that's nationwide. It's bigger. So the average is higher in states like California, New York but it's smaller in certain states. But yeah. the, the paid range that we've seen in our programs are 2500 to 230000 as I mentioned earlier. So those are some of the, the larger claims that we see. The third most frequent third-party liability claims that we see are water damage claims. And spoke about this many times, but you have to be very careful if you're going into clients' homes, leaving the water on. We've had sitters fall asleep and turn the bathtubs on. We've had Puppies put into a bathroom and turn the faucet on. We've had many, many a sitter leave the water running. And then we have many, many claims that we see where people overstuff the toilets. You put uh-huh. toilet paper in, and all kinds of things happen in that regard where sometimes the toilet may already be broken and maybe the handle's loose. Somebody tries to flush it, they think it's fine, they leave the house. Next thing they do, they come back and it's a huge mess. Or the client comes back from vacation, is calling them up and saying, "You know what happened?"
0: Mm-hmm. So you got to
1: be real careful with water when you're going into the homes. Another claim we see is watering plants. If you are watering plants, make sure you know what you're doing when you, and put something under the pot holder because we see hardwood floors damaged when you know you overwater that plant. It flows out onto the surface, rugs having to be replaced, hardwood floors having to be replaced, that sort of thing. So, oh, okay. Be careful with water. Um, that's a good one. And another one where we see really large claims that's similar to dog bites is when a dog jumps or runs into or undercuts somebody. One of our largest claims we ever had in our program was when a pet sitter was walking a dog out in the park. Or actually, they were playing in the park, and the dog got was going to run and ran into someone who was jogging and hit her in the knee. And that one was in excess of $200,000 payout because she tore her knee and she sued. And then, you know, we've had dogs jump in, knock people down, back injuries from that. We've had cuts. Anytime a dog runs into somebody is usually going to be bad. And same thing with the dog bites. So you got to be real careful there. A couple other claims, dog darts out and undercuts somebody in the park. They get away from the sitter And a dog jumped on a child, knocking him to the ground, that sort of thing.
0: Let me ask you something. You had said that the gal with the knee sued. So does part of this general liability, either with the major national companies or with organizations, also cover the cost of legal representation?
1: Absolutely. And great question. Most people think that their limit on their policy is going to be the limit that they have to defend them and pay out the claim defense on most of the policies that you see today is outside the limit. So the insurance company is going to defend you outside of that limit. And then once they determine your negligence and they get in there and arbitrate, they're going to determine how much of a settlement, if any, based on what the medical payments have been, what kind of pain and suffering, how long someone's out of work, all those things come into play when you have a liability claim, when a third party suit. Unfortunately, you know, it's not the end of the world if you have a, a suit come in, but be prepared. It's not something that's going to end in a day. You know right. lawsuits i mean I, I have claims that are still open four years where they you know they go back and forth, most wow. of them are settled in a year or two, but you, you do see some depending on how upset someone is. You can also see in certain states there's different laws in various states, but some may say if a child is bitten, they have the right to sue when, when they turn eighteen years old, so if they wow. were bitten you know so some of these claims can drag out and again, it, you know, it, it depends on you know we get people who are very hostile and they're really upset, you know, right after the claim and they're looking for this huge, huge payout. And it's not they think
0: it's, like they just won the lotto and they're going yeah. at it with a vengeance and not realizing that there's things that they've got to follow.
1: That's right. I've seen them go through two or three attorneys in some cases, because they think they, and the attorneys are telling them, well, you're not going to get this, but they want to switch attorneys. So that pushes the claim back even further. Because right. they to Start all over again with a new attorney to arbitrate. Right all that again.
0: Crazy. So what's Uh, number five for this general liability?
1: Yeah, number five is damages to the client's home. As I spoke earlier, any general liability policy you have is going to cover real property in your care custody and control. So that's the house where there is a coverage is the personal property, which is care custody and control. So if you were to cause a fire, for example, to a house, or the water damage claim that I gave earlier, those would be examples of property damage to the house if say the ceiling caves, because that's the real structure. So these types of claims would be say a sitter neglects to crate the dog, the dog gets out and chews up the woodwork. You know, I already spoke about my dog, and she's that right, right. to my house, where right. they get the wood paneling against the wall, or a dog chews up the carpets mm-hmm. that's permanent. Other claims where a dog, I've been speaking all about dogs, but let's say a cat urinates on the hardwood floors and you neglect to clean them up, okay? Any of those claims, and, and you know those are very common claims where pets use the bathroom. And the one point I want to make there is that you have to be real careful. Make sure you know the pet supplies you're using because we see so many claims. Oh, where it's a good one. People will go to clean up feces and urine and try to clean it up, and they'll use the wrong pet supplies. Next thing you know, they ruin ruined the worse. carpet. They ruined the hardwood floor mm-hmm. now that claim is much higher than it should have ever been right and um, maybe not have been a claim at all you know it just depends on what happened but those claims run anywhere from a couple hundred dollars to about eighty five hundred dollars so all in all you can see I think it has some good examples here of both the third party claims and the CCC types of claims
0: I want to drive home this point again because I'm even learning as you're going through this right now so Am I understanding you correctly that if I had a national general policy Mm -hmm. that did not have the CCC on it, or it didn't belong to an organization, that quite possibly it sounds like other than the real property, the house structure, Mm -hmm. I might not be covered for personal property, a couch gets chewed, the hardwood floor gets damaged. Etc. Am I following you correctly?
1: You are. And the thing is a lot it's of dangerous.
0: Programs, a lot of people need to know this.
1: Well, they do, and they need to check with their insurance agents. and I want to make be clear. I you, know, yeah. I need you to check with your agent if right. you're insured with someone else. And I'm happy to look at you know, the key is to read the policy forms. Have your agent talk to their underwriters and make sure and tell them where is it in the form that you're covering. You know, not
0: account. to give you more things to do on your desk. <laughs> But David, I've been so impressed with, first of all, response time, even after hours, your answers to my questions, your follow-up to my questions. It's truly something that I need on my team, which is why everything's getting switched over to you soon. Thank you. But I just, I want to encourage people that, let me put it this way. I'm not going to ask my current agent. I'm going to let you review it and I'm going to let you tell me because I feel like I can trust you more right now. And I think that's important for everyone to hear and know right now, whoever's listening to this, you know, I'm having some difficulties getting a hold of my current agent, or I'm not too sure if things are what they seem. And you've been very educational and that's the way to get my heart in anything in life, educate me. And I appreciate it. So like I'm saying, if you have any questions on your policy, I think David would be happy to just take a look over it and answer any of your questions that you're lying awake at night worrying about, you know, because we shouldn't have to. Yeah.
1: Bill, I appreciate that. I mean, certainly my intention is not to solicit anyone. My my intention here is to educate. And that's what drew me to do this today because you had mentioned when you first contacted me that you did educational seminars. And I was very intrigued because that's what we want to do. We want to get the message out because, you know, I've been working with pet associations for over 20 years And we work with pet sitters, we work with dog trainers, we work with boarding kennels. But the key is to educate them, because so many times, I can't tell you how many calls I get from people who are upset. They call, and I mean, people in tears, scream. You
0: must get a lot of tears.
1: I mean, I spoke to a trainer recently in the last couple months that had a workers comp claim where she was bit. We're going to get to the work comp claims here shortly. Oh, yeah. But, But- You know, she was bit and she had switched her company, had switched over from under the laws of the state. If you're a sole proprietor, you're either included or excluded. And then if you switch to a corporation, you're either included or excluded. Well, she had switched and had let her agent know, but her agent didn't realize that now she was excluded instead of included. And in that instance, she had a claim and it was not covered. And she is fighting it. She's going against the agent. And, you know, I don't know if anything will ever happen. But the claim was very bad. And, you know, she never knew. She was at the mercy of the of the agent and the state statute that, you know, initially was including her. But because she became incorporated, it now excluded her. So, you know, those things that you have to read fine print, you have to be very careful. And just as you were mentioning about the liability, if you have a national carrier, make sure the national carrier has some sort of animal Bailey coverage because there are a few that do the Hartford Hartford doesn't write pet sitters anymore, but the, say travelers, CNA, I think state farm, some of these companies like that will offer some, you just need to read, uh-huh. but you also need to ask them point blank. If I go into someone's home and they give me the keys to their home, am I covered? Because even these big carriers that have these animal Bailey forms, the animal Bailey form says nothing about the property in your care. Mm-hmm. So if you're given to the key to the house and something is damaged, are they covering that property? Some people will say, well, were you negligent? Did you damage it? And technically, you know, you may or may not have been negligent. It's going to be a gray area. if Something's mm-hmm. damaged when a dog chews it up. So if mm-hmm. the dog chooses to say you let the dog out, there's clear negligence that you did that, but say mm-hmm. you didn't. And you don't yeah. know. Well, the insurance company is going to look, a lot of the bigger companies are going to look to deny first. So mm-hmm. you know, you've got to be careful and you don't want to get to that point. You know, you,
0: sometimes they'll assign like percentages of fault too, right? You know, some is goes to the homeowner, some goes to the business. Some,
1: that's right. You
0: know, something that I'm hearing you say that's also really important. And I want to make sure we make a big point of this is that you need to have someone on your team, an agent that you can just call up and shoot the shit, as they say, <laughs> sorry, you know, and just have these honest conversations I'm not talking to 800 number with like someone you're like, I don't know, ma'am, let me check. Let me put you on hold, you know, like someone you can really trust because this is a big liability and it's not enough to just, click a couple buttons online and buy insurance. And yeah, I have insurance, but I have no idea what it covers. You, know? you wouldn't do that with your car. You wouldn't go buy car insurance and not know if you need a rental car, would you have one? Or if you got in an accident, would it cover you? And I mean, arguably this is your business, your livelihood. It's even maybe more important than your car insurance. And when things happen, you're going to want to know what you're covered for. So these are super great questions. I'm so glad that you're saying them because You're also giving people what I call the football and telling them which direction to run. A lot of us want to do the work, but we're not sure what work we should actually do, if that makes sense. So thank you for educating us. Tell us about the workman's compensation claims. (laughs) I am like tense about to hear this, but go for
1: it. Yeah, I, I think I shared with you, I watched your webinar on the workers' comp and, you know, Those claims are brutal. Workers' comp claims are brutal. And nobody wins in in a workers' comp claim.
0: They're emotional.
1: Yes. And, you know, I hope if you have employees that you do carry workers' comp, you know, and I can't stress enough to go out there and research your state statute. Call your agent. Call me. But make sure that you're following your state statute when it comes to that. You know, because if you have one employee, some states will say you don't have to cover yourself.
0: And I don't understand that, David. That's like... One of the states, it's like up to five employees. You don't have to have it. And I just, it makes me cringe. Why would you not get it, you know?
1: Well, and you know what happens when you don't have it, you have your three common law defenses so that you would be able to defend yourself if say there was contributory negligence, things of that nature. But the key is, do you really want to be in that position? Because then you're going to be paying for the defense. And then if you are on the hook, you're nothing else. You're going to lose your employee. It's it's just a bad situation on all fronts.
0: Yeah. It's more of a headache that you just don't need. Like even if the outcome is favorable, the journey to get there was tumultuous.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's just jump in and we'll we'll go through some examples. I I wrote down the top five, obviously the first one, dog or cat bite to hands and arms, which is the most frequent. Sitter reaches out to pet a dog, dog bites their hand. sitter is placing a dog in a crate. Dog bites their finger. Sitter is petting a cat. Cat bites the sitter. Sitter reaches down to place a collar on the dog. The dog bites the hand. I've seen these range from anywhere from $250 up to $35,000. And, you know, under workers' comp, you have both medical payments and you have what's called indemnity. Typically, under the first seven days, a work comp carrier is not going to pay any lost wages. After seven days, they'll pay Your lost wages, and that's what's considered indemnity. If you are hurt, let's say you had a back injury, and you get assigned a rating for your back because you'll never be 100% again. That's going to be an indemnity payment, too, when you receive a settlement from the insurance company. Mm -hmm. Every state has their own set of uh, workers' comp laws, and they actually will determine, if you read your state statute, it will determine how much a finger is worth, how much a hand is worth. So those are all defined in most state statutes. You can see what they're going to get. And when you get those workers' comp claims, those dog bites, the key is to get somebody back to work as quickly as they can, but also get them back up to health and back up to full speed. When it comes to being canceled or non-renewed by an insurance company, you really want to pay attention to medical payments because that'll help lower the claim if you can get them back to work. And the comp carriers see that you're working hard to do so, you want to treat your employees as they are your most valuable asset. They mm-hmm. are the people that help your business run. So you want to take care of that person. You don't want to run and get mad and say, "Why did you turn this in?" or "Why, you know, why are you doing this to yeah. me?" It's the opposite of what you really want to do. You really want to take them and nurture them, and get them back to health, so that they can come back to work. Because once they have a bad outcome, they feel like you don't care. They go home and they watch a attorney come on the commercial that says, you know, have you been injured on the job? And right. you know, we've all seen those commercials.
0: Right. The well, ambulance chasers. Yeah.
1: And so the first thing they do when they feel like you don't care, you got bit by a dog and you can't work. And that may have be, been your only source of income. Sure. And if that's the case, you know, you're not getting an income. You're going to be upset. You're going to try to sue. And, you know, that's when the claims get bigger and bigger. So, you know, the key for the best outcome is to try to take care of day one, turn the claim in, get a medical attention. I always recommend going to a clinic first. If you can develop a relationship with a local clinic, like a first med or a first health, because you don't want to send your employee to the ER for a cut on their finger because Mm -hmm. you're basically going to get a bill that's 10 times the amount that you would have gotten from a health clinic. You're also going to take a lot longer to be seen. So if it's a life-threatening emergency, absolutely send them to the ER. But if it's right. not, I would go to a clinic, at one that understands occupational accidents and injuries uh-huh. and treats those, because you'll be better off in the long run.
0: That's great. I love that. We just had a bunch of people join us. I just want to say hello to all our new viewers. My name is Bella Vasta from Jump Consulting, and I'm here with David Purcell from Business Insurers of the Carolinas. And we're talking about most common pet sitting claims. Even if you don't have a pet sitting business and you're watching this today, first of all, David covers more than just pet sittings, right?
1: We do. Across the country That's our specialties.
0: And you can just Google Business Insurers of the Carolinas. It's great information for anyone who does have a business who is just... You know, wondering about liability and things. This is mostly around cats and dogs, but I think it's very applicable to learn about what your actual liability insurance does include and workman's comp. David, getting back to what you were just saying, I really heard you say that a business owner needs a protocol. So when accidents happen, they need to say, okay, step one, get help. And this is where you should go. Step two, contact these people or, Maybe something as simple as a business owner having access to their actual workman's comp claim number and policy, you know, not some, uh, I don't know, it was sent to me 11 months ago. It might be in my email. I'm not sure. You know, oh crap, I don't know who to call, you know? So basically, just having that catastrophe plan in place and letting your staff know this is the protocol. I think something from very simple as, it's a little incident report. I've had this happen. A little incident report. Someone's twisted their ankle and they do not want to go. I've offered them. Do you want to go to urgent care? No. Okay. I need you to put it in writing for me. I need you to tell me who, what, where, when, how, why, and that you are declining to go get it checked out, even though I'm telling you that's my protocol, you know, so that God forbid in the future they say, oh, well this happened and I couldn't go. My point is, is have a protocol set up. That's what David's kind of talking about, right?
1: Yes. No, I completely agree. And most any workers' comp policy that you ever buy is going to have a form in there that you can post. And most states mandate that you do post it somewhere that all employees can see it. But it should have a claims number on there and how to file a workers' comp claim. And, Mm -hmm. you know... It is a benefit to your employees. Workers' comp is a benefit, and you, we need to look at it that way. Because if I work for somebody else that doesn't have workers' comp and I get injured, I may not be able to make a living. So you, you want to make sure that you post that, and everybody knows and aware is aware that you have workers' comp and knows how to file a claim. First thing you do is you want to call the insurance company directly. And in work comp claims, we even suggested you call instead of calling me directly, you would call the insurance company because. We don't want third-party information. You want first-hand information when you turn in that claim. They will mm-hmm. assign you a, a claim number, and they'll typically give you an adjuster name and so they can get on that claim right away. And you know, all the big companies, whether it's Travelers, CNA, Hartford, they all have these 24-hour claims for workers' comp. So it doesn't matter what day or time, you can turn in a workers' comp claim at any time.
0: And you shouldn't be afraid of it, right? I mean, they're not out to, like, it's not like a police investigation where I think that there's a lot of fear that comes from that. They feel like, oh, my gosh, am I going to say the right thing? I'm afraid to call. Can I get myself in trouble? And these people are your insurance agents. They're here to help you, right?
1: That's right. And the national carriers have people that are, are there that, that are basically teleprompters that are there to assign claims and to talk you through it and answer questions. And that's yeah. the question and answer phase is great. And if there's nothing paid out, I mean, they're going to give you advice when you call in. So, if, you know, if you have your protocol, but you forget, you can ask them questions and they can give you great advice and tell you what to do and how to go from step A to, to step C. Right. follow through. So if you have an injury, I would always recommend that you, you give them a call. If you have one that, you know, well, this may or may not, and the person doesn't want to turn it in just yet, you know, you call your agent, talk to them, and the agent will likely direct you to that. You know, if it's me, I would likely direct you to contacting the company directly. You know, if it's something that the person's fine and they are willing to sign off that there's nothing there, then, you know, we can look at that situation. But nine times out of 10, it's better to turn the claim in because you know, I'll give an example that I give a lot to our clients in North Carolina. You know, we insure a lot of residential general contractors, a lot of framing contractors in our area. And I had a general contractor who had an employee that went underneath a house and was doing some work on the foundation. And he got bit by a spider and the GC calls me and he's like, you know, he got bit by a spider, you know, it's about $500. He went to the ER and which I didn't suggest, but That's what he did. And he said, and he said, I paid it. He said, I don't think I want to make a claim of it. And I said, well, I think you should. I think we should just go ahead and turn it in. Let the company pay. Two weeks later, he had a line like a dark line going up his arm and the guy's claim developed in because his arm got infected and he had a ten thousand dollar claim instead of the five hundred dollar medical bill that he would
0: have. Oh my so goodness. That's
1: why it's so important to get on the claim right away. You never know what could come, you know, especially with a dog bite. you know. Say the dog bite was a third party dog that you broke up a fight and you get bit. Right. You know, you don't know if that dog had you know, something. It could have been rabbit. It could have been anything. But you right. want to make sure that you get attention immediately and you at least get on that and make sure that you're not going to have further impairments.
0: Right. That's great.
1: Let me get back to the top five claims for workers' comp. Go for
0: it. <laughs>
1: we we talked about dog bites. The second one is slips, trips, and falls, primarily on walks. As everyone can imagine, you know, examples: a dog undercut an employee while an employee attempted to avoid stepping on the dog, and they suffered an ankle injury. A dog pulled a leash the employee was handling, caused them to fall. We get that a lot. Dragging claims get pulled down by a dog that's bigger than you. If you're using ICs and employees make sure that you don't assign them the biggest dog out there to take care of. If they're all of 80 pounds or 90 pounds, you know what I mean? Yeah. You got to make sure that it fits.
0: David, I go as far as in my company, at least we're more pet sitting, the dog walking. But I tell people, if your dog does not know how to walk properly on a leash, we're not walking them because I don't want that dog ripping their arm socket out. And then that employee is no good to me. Like that's a huge burden on the company, you know? So in me, in my company, it's you know, a risk that we're not willing to take. So, But, but those group dog walks, I mean, you know, yeah, you never know.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could be walking a dog that's great on a walk, and all of a sudden a rabbit or a squirrel darts out, and that dog just starts to put – then it just yanks you in the other direction. And we've seen right. of types of claims. We had where one dog was running after something into traffic and pulled the lady off the curb, and she broke her ankle. So those are all slips, trips and falls. And even though it's the same, my number three category, I put slip and fall on stairs because we have seen more workers comp claims on stairs. It's either in the house, if you're going upstairs or you're going in and out of the house, up and down the stairs.
0: I had a gal who it was raining. She had on like the KED sneakers Mm -hmm. and she missed the last step going down the staircase. and fell on her tailbone and fractured her ankle. And that was one of my workman's comp claims, you know? I mean, even when you're just trying to be most careful, I mean, that's what this is for. Exactly.
1: And, you know, that's another thing where you want to stress to your employees, independent contractors, we all have to come in contact with stairs. If you're going up and down the stairs, if it's wet, if it's snow and ice out there, you know, really talk to them about being cautious. Because some of our claims, we have spine injuries, very bad back injuries, and those are workers' comp claims that can really bite you and linger. I mean, some of those claims can get into hundreds. Those are
0: of big pounds. and long ones, yeah.
1: And then you also got to be careful with pain management because a lot of these back injuries, then these doctors will prescribe them so many pain meds, mm-hmm. get hooked on the pain meds, and so you got to mm-hmm. be really careful. Back injuries and in the stairs are one of the culprits, so certainly be careful there. Let's see, dog bites to other body parts. You know, so we had dog bites to the hands and arms, but our number four most common or most frequent claim that we see is dog bites to, you know, so you're placing a collar on it and you're bitten in the face, which Mm -hmm. is some large claims there. You try to break up a fight, just like we talked about on the liability claims. If you get in between them and you try to break up the fight, you know, make a distraction. Like I said, you've got a hose, do something to distract it, but don't get in between two dogs when they're mad yeah. at it because it's usually not going to come out well. And then we had one where an employee was playing with a squeaky toy. The dog lunged up and bit him up on the arm and shoulder area because he, you know, they're making that noise. You know, there's no way to tell, you know, just because, you know, your client may tell you, and as I told you, I listened to that webinar that you had on workers comp. And I thought that was great. That was a great example. If you haven't heard it, I think you should go back and listen to it for anybody that's listening today, because that's a great example that she had gone in and she had talked to the dog, met the dog several times, but it just so happened that out of the blue, she turned it around and she gets bitten. And yeah. you just never know. So, you know, be very careful. I always tell people if you have a job that doesn't smell right, it doesn't sound right, you don't feel comfortable, don't take that job.
0: Yeah, you know, it's not worth it. Out there.
1: Yeah, you, know, you don't have yeah. to take the job. So
0: take that superwoman cape off. <laughs> yeah. Six out of ten households have pets, and we don't need to be a savior to that one. Put our ego aside and stay safe. Stay it's safe. safe.
1: Exactly. Yeah. The claim is going to hurt you a whole lot more than the money you think you might make off the client. So
0: absolutely, think long term. What's number five, David?
1: The last one is dogs at play, odd injuries. Okay, and I've had this happen actually, my own dog, and this was on workers' comp claim. But the same claim has happened to some of our clients. A dog jumps up and knocks out a tooth. Okay, oh. so that's like an oddball claim retractable leashes we've had claims where it comes back and it pops you in your hand and then somebody's got a a broken finger or cut hand playing with a dog on a leash and the dog slams into your knee you know so we've had just freak accidents because those can happen too you know so Uh when you're playing with dogs you have to be careful what you're doing and you certainly know your surroundings you know Uh you don't want to be on a place that's like an uneven slope if you're out there throwing frisbee because you gotta look at from the dog standpoint the dog can get injured And then you can get injured while you're playing. So Mm -hmm. just be careful out there. But this year we've seen more comp claims. I've been doing workers' comp for about 20 years, but we've really started writing a lot more pet sitting workers' comp in the last five years. This year has been the worst for claims by far. But that's why we're talking, because we want to get the word out. If people will pay attention, be a little bit more careful, I think you can avoid these accidents. And certainly nobody likes the cost of workers' comp. And nobody wants to pay those premiums. And I don't blame them because the rate's going to continue to go up unless we do something about making sure we keep the cost down.
0: Right. Well, I'd like to think that the claims went up for a good reason, kind of. And that reason is, is because our industry in the past five years has been making a monumental shift from ICs to employees. And because of that, more people are actually being protected through Workman's Comp therefore being able to put in more workman's comp claims. At least that's the way I see it. I
1: agree with you. I do. Because you know, when we started really trying to offer the workers' comp and had a couple of carriers that were asking me to, you know, they wanted to sell workers' comp. So we would yeah. let everybody know. The first year or two, it didn't seem like anybody wanted it. But now, you know, this past couple of years, I've seen a lot more people purchasing workers' comp, a lot oh. more people asking and inquiring about it, which right. is great. Because I can tell you that I had many, many, many phone calls over the years prior to that where people would call those tears that we talked about earlier in this episode mm-hmm, here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They're just extremely upset and someone's yeah. hurt and they think it's covered in their general liability policy. Right. You're hurt. And in most cases, if your independent contractor's hurt, and if they're working for you, they're not covered in your general liability policy. So you need yep. to... Be real careful there. And, you know, workers need to have
0: their own. (laughs) David, as we kind of close this up, we are over on time, but it's just been so chock full of great information. I just really appreciate your time, especially on a Friday before Halloween. I want to close with, let's give everyone listening step one, step two, step three. So if we have any kind of a problem, whether it's personal to a third party, to the pet, to the home, Give me an easy, we, we first said, call insurance company directly. They'll assign a claim number and a name for the person. Is that basically the number one step that we should for, do? For work and-
1: comp, yes, I think the number one step is to, to alert your work comp carrier and get assigned the claims as soon as possible. You're really hesitant. You don't think it's a work comp claim. Call your agent. Nine times out of 10, they're probably going to have you call the, the company directly. You can certainly do that. Free to call me. I'll be happy to answer questions and give you that advice, you know, if, because it's going to depend on exactly what happened. And, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's not your fault, you know, it could be somebody else's fault that your employee got hurt. The workers right. comp is the exclusive remedy for employee injuries. They're going to pay first. They're the first ones that are going to do anything. So you want to mm-hmm. get the claim turned in. The next thing you want to do, step two would be to the first step. I'm sorry, we should start over the first step. Get care for the injured person. That's 1st right. First. <laughs> That's right. got to be first. So you got to yeah. get them care first. Then number uh-huh. two is to contact the insurance company. And uh-huh. get that. And then number three is to, if you can try to keep the claim to medical only by taking care of the employee and getting them back to work. Even if it's some kind of light duty fashion, whether they're calling your clients and checking up on them to see how the, their jobs are done. Because uh-huh. history shows that the sooner someone comes back to work, the better The outcome is because they don't want to be sitting at home watching those commercials, getting addicted to pain meds, that sort of thing.
0: (laughs) I like that. And what about if we walked into a home, couch is chewed up? What should we do to determine if we should? I mean, I would assume call you and have an honest discussion if you're my agent and be like, hey, this is what's going on. What are my options? Is that accurate?
1: Yeah, good question. What I would do, first of all, if I walked in and I saw that. You know, the ceiling's falling apart because of water damage, or the mattress is chewed up. Take a couple quick pictures, take a video. Most people have cell phones these days that are, are capable of doing that. Go ahead and get that and then contact, you know, prevent further damage. So if you see the water's running and, and, hey. and it, it's not stopping, go upstairs, cut the faucet off, cut the toilet huh. off, whatever you got to yeah. do to prevent further damage. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, clean up. You don't want to just leave it sitting there, you know, prevent further damage call the insurance company and then call your client and let them know that there's been a claim, you know, and let them know what's happened. Certainly if it's small, if you don't want to ruin a vacation, I can understand that. But I think it's always best. If you're pet sitting for me, I'd want to know if something's hurt or damaged. People always are worried they're going to get upset. I think most people are rather learn about it than to find out about it later. You know, if their yeah. dog's sick or their dog's hurt. So, right. you know, that sort of thing.
0: It's all about managing expectations in life. Everything's about managing expectations.
1: Yep. Communication is key.
0: Awesome. David, I'm so excited to do another one, another one, another one with you because there's tons of questions and, and areas that came up in my brain while we were doing this. So I look forward to doing many more. I appreciate your time today. And do you have any final thoughts before we close?
1: Just be safe. Share the examples with your staff. And, you know, happy pet sitting. That's
0: it. Awesome. Once again, everyone, David Purcell from Business Insurers of the Carolinas. You can Google Business Insurers of the Carolinas and find David and get in contact. What's your extension?
1: I'm at extension 214. So it's okay. 1-800-962-4611. I'm at extension 214. You know, we're open from eight to five unfortunately my wife will kill me, but I email and and I'm available usually as much as I possibly can. So
0: that impressed me a lot. I sent an email, didn't expect to get back till next day. I mean, I'm three hours behind you and I got a reply. So thank you, David.
1: Thanks for jumping with Bella in your business. For more information, free articles, free coaching sessions, and more go to jumpconsulting.net. And remember Bella's got your shoot.